I'm Jacqueline. And if you're new with us, pretty much what we do is we watch documentaries and then we talk about them. Mm-hmm. And in honor of Black History Month, as well as me about to give birth, we chose to do a really impactful <laughs> documentary called Aftershock. It's a 2022 documentary by Paula Easlet and Tanya Lewis-Lee. And this one was heavy. So, yeah, trigger warning to the fullest. We're we're going to be talking about uh, death a lot. Uh, We're going to be talking about just just a lot of sad shit. Um, And a lot of just stuff that's just it it needs to end i mean a lot of racism is still there with with health care it's absolutely disgusting Mm -hmm. (laughs) but at the same time like i've experienced you know um how do i put (laughs) not being taken seriously just to say it uh, simply by a doctor just as a woman like as females I feel like there's a certain realm of just oh it's just woman pains or oh you're being over dramatic and I'm sure many other women who are listening have experienced that uh, I know you have yeah, you, were, um, you, you were there for a yeah l- it's sad and you know, and we're white, so we get basically the good end of the stick. Which I and thought so it was to a be, shitty end on my end, on your end, too. Yeah. And so to be a minority, especially a black woman, going through all this, I can't even imagine. But if you are about to give birth or pregnant or anything like that, this probably isn't the best thing thing um but at the same time it is like i'm eight months pregnant i'm having a c-section literally next wednesday and this goes into that and it definitely instilled like a new realm of fear but it also educated me on some things to ask and to look for and to talk about and with my doctor that i didn't really think of before Um, and then also like just triggered some fears that I already had to begin with and then threw in some statistics and I was like, holy shit, is this really the best choice? Is this the best option? Um, and so, yeah. It's a heavy one. Um, you know what's really great, though? You mentioned that you're giving birth next Wednesday. Well, this episode is going to drop on the day that you bring your precious little boy into this world. So mm-hmm. it's very nice. And hopefully I'll still be here afterwards. Oh, no, don't put that juju uh, out there. You know, you know what, though? At the So after watching this whole thing, I've learned mm-hmm. that I really want to learn more about birthing centers for my future you kids. Wanna, just learn about birthing. Yeah. Like, like, go explore, like, I, my nearest birthing center. Just because. Oh, absolutely. Well, Baptist is a birthing center. Right. 
because um, I, I did look it up. <laughs> um, I was like, man, if I could do it over, I would definitely look into a midwife. Oh, God, right? Yes. I don't know if it's wrong to say this, but especially a black midwife, I'd be like, I want, I want her. <laughs> they seem to be the most knowledgeable. Right. Well, yeah, because it, it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, Which, I mean, learning some of the history about gynecology and science and how it ties into black people, but black women especially, was just astounding. Like, I had no idea, and I'm glad that I know now. But, I mean, it is just... Yeah. So... I mean, I was flabbergasted a lot through the documentary. When I wasn't broken. Yeah. (laughs) Just like heartbroken or mentally broken from this. I was just like jaw dropped. Like what? I remember you were saying like you you got through like the first 20 minutes. You're like already in tears. And oh, like the first five minutes I was crying. The the opening scene where they were just (sighs) showing all the video footage of uh, Shimani. Which I'm going to say right now, we're going to, well, I want to at least want to dedicate this uh, episode to the women. And of course, the thousands of other women that are not mentioned, but at least the six or seven women that I have written down here, Shimani Gibson, Amber Rose Isaac, Kira Johnson, Maria, Co- I can't say her last name. I really, but her first name is Maria. We have Shazay Asia, and then we have Cordella Street. You like those this this pod this episode at least is gonna be dedicated in their names because you know just just to be you know able to kind of at least with Amber Rose and Shimani just being able to get into their lives with their husbands and understanding their stories is just their partners their partners mm-hmm. and it's just it was really <sighs> just I, I cannot imagine you know going just to have a baby. And then shit happening. And then you're constantly telling the doctor, like, I'm having headaches. Or I'm just having this pain. Like, this is not normal. But they keep rushing up. Oh, it's normal. It's normal. So that's another part of it is, like, I've had a lot of these symptoms. Yeah. And I'm just like. Something's not right. (laughs) To to just, like, have it brushed off. Whereas my doctors are like, okay, let's do blood work. Okay, let's do blood work. Okay, let's do blood work. I don't really hear anything of it. I see the lab results. Like right now, like I had lab work done today. um, And I get stat labs because they need it right away. Um, And uh, just with my condition, I I don't think it has to do with me being white. But I don't know. But just with my... um health status as it is I'm basically considered high risk so and with me giving birth Wednesday I get stat labs right away because if like my liver enzymes or proteins too high I have to go straight to the hospital um so like she calls me and she's like a couple things are abnormal but they're not they're totally normal so just ignore it and I'm like Uh, (laughs) I want to know what it is Okay, so it's like I see them and I Google them and it's like, okay, so we're not going to talk about this or it's nothing like serious yet or in the realm of serious. Um, But I mean, it's at least concerning because all these 
elevated or low levels through my Google searches point to um, like liver disease, liver failure, liver this, liver that, which is also corresponds to Mm preeclampsia affecting your liver and your kidney and everything. And I'm like, okay, so this is fine (laughs) if you say so, but it's still very like... I'm, you know, I'm aware of it. I'm a little on edge on it. Um, But like from this, from Amber Rose's story, I made sure to check my platelet count. Oh, with her help syndrome? Oh, Lord. Like that was just insane. Um, So I definitely checked my platelet count because your blood pressure can affect your platelets. I just feel like Um, you having to Google your results to really understand them more is really just kind of frustrating because, you know, I feel like they should be able to be brutally honest with you and be like, okay, so this is what's going on. These are your lab results. It's here, here, here. Like, I feel like they should do that instead of you having to Google, you know, the results and then, you know, and then getting like all these different kind of things that, oh, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. And (sighs) it seems like that's a new norm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then they get mad at you for googling it's like well you kind of really well, my doctors it. don't but it's like well they don't they're like there's nothing concerning so we don't really need to talk so about with, it with, and i'm with, like okay with your first uh pregnancy with evie did you have that a lot where they just really didn't discuss anything oh, with you more so than anything else because i remember I your pregnancy with that was didn't just know i did not know that i was like borderline high by uh high blood pressure throughout the entire time i had no idea it wasn't until towards the end that they were like oh your blood pressure is a bit high but or no it was one time i go in they're like oh your blood your blood pressure is pretty normal today and i was like has it not been and they're like no oh my god oh okay is that like a thing is that concern like I completely put my faith and trust in the doctors with my first pregnancy I didn't like do research I had no idea what preeclampsia was or anything about it and I know I did like urine samples a lot and this and that I just thought it was normal you know like drug testing and stuff like that but no they were testing for protein and then I went in and it was kind of high and I had to do a protein test so I was basically having all the symptoms of preeclampsia without the protein in the urine so that's now considered gestational hypertension but no one like told me any of this or explained any of it until like pretty much the very end and I ended up going to CVS because they tell you like the 140 over like 90 is mild and 160 over 110 is severe. So I went to CVS and just did like because it was yeah just a random part of the day. I didn't want to go to the doctor um, and it was like. 156 over 90 something wow and i called the nurse because i hadn't hadn't felt well like i felt like my heart was beating something was not right it was really lightheaded yeah Yeah. and they were like go to the hospital and i was like do i have to they're like yes (laughs) well thank god you did okay (laughs) 
Yeah, so I did that, and by the time I got to the hospital, it was 160 over 100, and um, it was pretty much, I was on bed rest from the minute I got there. They took my urine. There was no protein in my urine. It, it didn't make sense to them because I have this extremely high blood pressure. I have all the symptoms of preeclampsia. I'm swollen. I got pain, headache, seeing stars, this, that, the other. No protein. So they did a catheter test, which was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then they found the protein. And, um, That's so crazy that when you were peeing, like it wasn't showing in the urine that you were peeing out. But when they really went into your bladder... It was in there. But you know what, though? Yeah. So when it came to Shamani Gibson and whenever she ends up having to go mm-hmm. to the hospital, there's one thing that really reminded me of your story. And that's when it seemed like they kept saying, is she was she on drugs? Was she on drugs? Yes. Was she on drugs? I was like, it reminded me of you because yes. I remember you telling me, and your mm-hmm. mom too was just like, no, like this, she's not on drugs. Like that, yes. that was you. That triggered me <laughs> so much. Yes. Yeah, so basically, after I had my daughter, several days after, um, I ended up like not convulsing, but having like severe shakes. Yeah. Um, on top of like fever and a bunch of other stuff started happening. And even though they've already taken like a gallon of my blood that they could simply test and I hadn't left the hospital at all. Um, the only visitors I had were friends. They pretty much were accusing me of being on drugs or having withdrawal. And, uh, the whole time I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm freaking out. I didn't even know about aftershakes from after having a baby, which now could have been part of it. But I was um, pretty much told them, like, if I'm withdrawing, it's from something you gave me. So figure it out. Like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, am I having a seizure? I'm pretty pretty aware for someone having a seizure because it was so severe. Um, And they just kept and my mom finally had to like pull him aside like stop accusing her of being on drugs she hasn't gone anywhere she doesn't do drugs she like test her blood she's more than happy to give it to you test her blood get that out of the way and then figure out what the hell is going on and um yeah turned out it was sepsis (laughs) and that that right there could have killed you and and, mm-hmm. and the fact that they kept saying, oh, are you, you're just withdrawing on drugs. Have you done drugs? Have you done this? Have you done that? And it's like, dude, like I just gave, had a baby and I was laboring for how long were you laboring for? It was a while. Yeah, right? So I went in on Wednesday mm-hmm. and had her on Friday. So you were laboring for um, three fucking days. Uh, I mean, they did every form of induction. Yeah. Um, And so my body just doesn't like to give to birth, I guess, because it just it was the longest amount. So really, probably two days, a day and a half, roughly. Um, I don't know the magnesium that they put you on. Just so wonky. But yeah, that triggered me a lot, too. Um, And just... uh, there was so much of it and I can't imagine like being like, Hey, I'm, I'm having difficulty breathing 
and that not being taken seriously. Um, I had all these issues and one of them was difficulty breathing and they just put oxygen on me because they're like, what's one more thing um, with this kid? So just to circle back to the documentary, cause, you know, it's not about me, but um, just to kind of show the similarities of like, I had a lot of the same issues and, and they were treated. Now, mind you, this takes place in New York City. Um, and you would think that there would just be a higher caliber of care out there, but in these in certain neighborhoods there's just not and there's not the funding and that was part of the issue here um which is just unacceptable if you're a hospital you should be up to par <laughs> and if you're not then who is holding them accountable um and what really killed me was like the beginning of the home videos oh, right. and everything. The music and with it too. Can, oh my god! And you see Shimani and oh, she's all of them are just beautiful people. But like Shimani really stuck with me. She just seems like she's a just, fun person to be around. I was like, she just what she looked like and to me. She loved her because she has um, a little girl beforehand and. She had a C-section and that went well. So she got to meet her baby, which is, you know, a blessing within itself. And within a week complained of shortness of breath, called the hospital and they told her it's okay. Just relax. Um, they go back to get her staples removed, told the symptom again, told again to just rest. They trusted the doctors and two weeks after giving birth, she had sharp chest pains. Um, as she was getting ready to go, she fell down and went into shock. Um, and they were asking if she was on drugs. <laughs> Three rounds of people who came through. Is she on drugs? Is she on like, and I understand as medical personnel, you have like a script or like, you know, a structure to follow, but I wholeheartedly am with the mom like you don't talk to each other how many times are you going to ask this and is definitely you know being a black person especially in New York that those questions are going to come up unfortunately um she was sent to a low fund hospital for a pulmonary embolism uh was on blood thinners for 12 hours and if they had taken her initial complaints seriously she would not have died and it's so crazy so pulmonary embolisms for anyone who doesn't know those are blood clots in the lungs and anything that starts filling up in the lungs like you're getting deprived of breathing which that explains the heavy the the loss uh shortness of breath and just her like just pretty much collapsing when she walks um i mean like we meet Omari, uh, Shimani's husband, and you could just see the hurt and the frustration. Um, there's a celebration of life. You could see it on just like everyone's faces. And it's just, ugh. and oh my God, when her daughter, her daughter, um, Anari asked, asked about mommy all the time and when she showed the picture that she drew to mommy on the wall oh my god I was like <laughs> my heart I, oh, it's like the fact 
this is so frustrating and I, I can only imagine for people of color. Um, and I'll get into more of the facts, but just to kind of introduce, um, some more people that we met Amari her Shimani's husband's an artist and a teacher great artist by the way Um, fantastic yes and just has such a great spirit about him and I can't and then we meet Bruce um McIntyre 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 sorry (laughs) you got it that that makes way more sense (laughs) um and Amber's boyfriend um and we have Amber Rose, who's our other main woman that we learn about. Um, doctors also ignored her symptoms. Uh, they eventually end up going to a midwife who sent out blood work and immediately sent her to the hospital and was dismissed. Um, she had a very low platelet count. Um she wrote like an expose, um, like a tell all. And she was then finally diagnosed with help syndrome and the hospital still ignored it. Um, the high risk doctor left her with this, with a C-section with a young team who wasn't very experienced, which is, uh, I hope they're suing these people. I I believe they are. At the end, we find out. um, uh, I believe Bruce is suing um, several people for this, as he should. Uh, Basically, her blood count, her blood platelet count was in the double digits instead of the triple. Uh, Your blood, your platelet count shouldn't be below, I believe, 151, 156. And hers was like 80 something or 50 something or even lower than that possibly it was basically water she was unable to congeal they never should have opened her up like or I mean so many things should have been done before that and it is just negligence oh and and they keep denying it too they keep denying that any wrong matter happened and uh, which is just absurd I know that is a diplomatic thing and it's a money and insurance thing take accountability for your fucking actions and like oh it's a lawsuit if we did that every time blah 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 you know i just well then take care take care of your patients no matter what their skin color is no matter anything i fucking take care i just can't i just can't i don't have the capability or capacity to wrap my head around treating somebody different or less than simply because of the color of their skin. That makes absolutely well, you know no what, you sense know what to it me. Is I know it happens, but it just, it doesn't well, make sense so to they, me. They mentioned about, you know, private insurance, but they also mentioned that mm-hmm. most African-Americans were on Medicaid. Which I'm on Medicaid. I'm, I'm I was, on I was Medicaid. on Medicaid, but they believe that if you have Medicaid, you're practically scum. You're, you're, you mm-hmm. know, obviously you can't afford it's a anything. Big stamp yeah. on the top of your paper, and I truly believe that that one doctor that I saw that I talked to you about, I think he is one of those people. Also, just the fact that he 
runs emergency uh, L&D. Um, so he probably gets all kinds of stupid shit. But you don't have to make me feel like I got sent to the hospital for um, blood pressure. Right. And they told me to go. I didn't want to go. They told me to go. And I dealt with this guy with my last pregnancy when I went for severe pain, um, abdominal pain. And he was, you know, the first time I dealt with him, I was like, all right, he's probably just having a bad night. I get it. You know, I excused his behavior and tone, even though he immediately made me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but this was the second time I was dealing with him a year apart. There's no excuse. This is just your attitude. He was dismissive, passive. He like spoke down to me. It was the most annoying and frustrating thing. I pretty much just shut down and was like, mm -hmm, I just want to go like, I didn't mean to waste your time, dude. And this time I wrote a complaint, <laughs> um, left a poor survey and complained at my doctor's office to multiple doctors. I was like, and said pretty much the same thing. And I told them he is not doing my C-section. I do not want to have to ever deal with him again. Like I'm not, if it's one thing I learned from my first pregnancy and labor and delivery is how to speak up to, for myself. You definitely helped me. Doctors. You definitely helped me out whenever I was in labor because my experience was just fucking God awful. And they were pretty much just dismissing me too when clearly I had contractions on the screen and I'm in clearly mm -hmm. I'm in pain and they're like oh well it was such a numbers thing with yeah. yours which was frustrating because you can't you can't really don't lie don't lie about just be honest yeah. you you don't have a room mm -hmm. there's too many people she has farther to go you wanted to send her home. Just say that. Mm -hmm. Not you're not progressed enough. <laughs> and I'm fairly confident you were leaking amniotic fluid oh, yeah. and they did not test you. Yeah. And that's why he was born with an infection because I didn't take that seriously. No, they didn't. They did. And it was really funny, too, because when we left, I was like, I'm going to be back at midnight. And guess what happened? I came back and I brought my mother this time and my and I will I will never forget it. So when we got there to labor delivery, we of course were where we were not even in triage. We were outside because there was no rooms. And this poor girl was behind me. She was 15 weeks pregnant, practically having a miscarriage. And she was there for hours, hours. And then here I am. I'm coming in full blown fucking labor. Mind you, I'm in pain, all that. And I will never forget this woman came up coming. Oh, I'm here. OK, checked her in and brought her back. When clearly she wasn't in, because she was, she got, she had like a scheduled C-section or something. When I'm in full form. Well, if it's a scheduled C-section, that's know. like a whole other, but yeah, if, if it wasn't though, that would be completely. I have no idea. That's all I can, now looking back, that's all I can think of. Private insurance. <laughs> yeah, well, I have Medicaid, so that's probably why you're like, oh, just throw you to the side. Yeah. But the second I got in there with my mother, like they obviously text, uh, test me, you know, checking my cervix and all that. And I've progressed. And I'm like, dude, like, all you had to do was just hook me up to a monitor and just let me just I, I didn't want to leave because, you know, I knew something wasn't right. I knew something wasn't right mm -hmm. because prior like a week and a half prior, I was sent there with severe dehydration and my body was trying to push the child out. You know, I was super sick. 
So I just, I fucking, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified to experience labor all over again because of my experience with my first son. And I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't feel like that. mm -mm. No, I will say like you educate yourself more, but if (laughs) you've had a baby and still feel, feel fear and are having another one, or if you've never had one and are about to have one, speak up for yourself if it doesn't feel right and doesn't seem right don't sleep on it don't don't ever push it one thing i learned was they work for you if you have to treat them like the cable company treat them like the cable company now there are some amazing nurses out there like i told my nurses i was like if i could give all the insurance money to you instead of the doctor who just caught basically i would in a heart it wasn't the nurse's fault that's not the so that's the thing too do not blame the nurses because they are just going off what the doctors are telling them to do okay but and half of them tend to know more because and have been doing mothers. it for longer because they're all mothers too most of them and they were in delivery they've had kids and they understand not all of them but yeah. like they they're great advocates but also you know if it there are some shoddy ones out there too but pretty much it's like see something say something feel something say something if you still don't feel right about it keep pushing it like no i really think you should check well okay i'm not leaving until you do this you know be a pain in the ass if you have to be a pain in the ass it's better to be a pain in the ass and be wrong than not be a pain in the ass and be dead Mm -hmm. and also so so, but also let me just mention the the best nurses ever were the nicu nurses my son was in the nicu for two weeks oh yeah your daughter was Mm -hmm. in the nicu and i think your son too for what a day Mm -hmm. or so um no wilder never went thankfully thank god but evie was there for but the nikki nurses they handled my Mm. son with such love and such care and they were honest and just they were blunt about everything even the doctors Mm -hmm. even and the doctors that actually were there doing rotations were actually doctors from uh wake forest who they were the medical doctors but they were just so blunt and just so honest with me i i wish that's how it was yeah the NICU nurses were great the only doctor who was spoke to me like in English and like a human was the infectious disease doctor because yes basically I got to put no one knew what was wrong with me and he came in and was like we don't know what's wrong with you but we're gonna fix you that's awesome though we're that's all you had to say though give you this I was like that's, that's all thank you, you have to say he's like we don't know what's going on but we are going to make you better everyone just kept dicking around the (laughs) subject and saying this 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 and this and i'm like and no real answers were coming out it was just like a bunch of legal medical jargon and here's this wonderful man who has absolutely nothing to do with labor and delivery he's like we don't know but we're gonna fix you you. but we're gonna fix you we're gonna they give you the wrong medicine we're gonna give you the right medicine and this that and the other i was like and then you started feeling like a million bucks yeah and i got better after that um and i've so (laughs) circling back to um this amber's mother worked for the hospital that she was at um 
Montiforis. It's like um, Monta. Oh shit! It's I wrote down. Uh, M O N T. It's like Montefiore. I think it's Montefiore. Montefiore. Yes. So they sent her Montefiore maternal mortality rate of zero point zero one percent is lower than both New York City and national averages, and maternal death is tragic. Our hearts go out to Miss Isaac's family, especially to her mother, our longtime colleague. And that's all they did for her. And that's when I'll be like, I'm quitting. I'm fucking quitting. That is not taking accountability. That is, um, this happens. This doesn't happen here often. This is our right. You know, we're sorry for your loss. Fuck you. She was just just another fucking statistic. Here you go. Here's that. But let me tell you, though, Amber, oh. let me tell you, though, we meet the best doctor who is really trying to make a change. Neil Shad, I think his name is Neil Shad, MD, who uh, I believe he's at Harvard. He's a doctor at Harvard and he is mm-hmm. trying to make a change for he's um, the professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Harvard Medical School. Um, and in 2018, a journalist started releasing stories of maternal mortality that compelled the government to track it more systematically. Um, and he pretty much is going, doing like the footwork. And this is the guy who brought this in. Now, he actually said all the statistics, too, about what's happening. And between, what was it, 1970... Uh, to 2019, C-sections went up 5.5% up to 32%. 500% more. 500% more. And then the mortality rate from 1995 to 2019 was 11.3 to 20.1%. But for black women, it went from... It's even higher. It went from 22.1% to 44%. And black women have a higher rate of having C-sections. Um, Why? <laughs> why, though? I, I don't know. Um, you know why, though? black people... Exp- mm-hmm. Let me tell you. The shorter the labor is, the less money it will cost. Hospital will get paid about 50% oh, yes. more than vaginal. So they get paid more for C-sections. Because it costs less for the stay. Yes. Which so basically it it's cheaper to do a C section for the hospital, but they get a bigger payout. And that was huge information for me. <laughs> um, right. Because I was told I basically have to have a C-section like they were like it's ultimately your decision but it is our professional opinion for you to have a C-section now granted I am 11 months postpartum (laughs) I'm not even a full 12 months they recommend you can look it up anywhere they recommend about 18 months in between kids right especially for c-sections if I was anywhere closer to that 18 month or even a year um, or over a year they would be more open to me having a v-back which is um a vaginal birth after c-section 
which I really, really wanted to do. I really wanted, especially with this being my last baby, I really wanted to have a vaginal birth because I still wanted, I wanted the experience that so many mothers get that's like, for lack of better terms, magical and like a full-on womanly experience I, I get what that you're isn't saying. shit. Yep, I, I wish I had that. And <laughs> Yeah, and so I, you know... I've had great blood pressure throughout this entire thing up until we moved, basically, and I that overexerted was a, that's a myself. That was a stressor, so I'm sure that... Uh, I overexerted myself, yeah. but at the same time, what happens with apparently all my babies is they get to a certain point, my body can't handle the stress of all the extra weight and everything, um, and it starts to affect all my other bodily symptoms now for the c-section it has to do with um muscles and placental abruptions and things like that it's just and i've done research to where there's a chance i could do it like basically i was told if i go into spontaneous labor and I come in like five centimeters dilated in an active labor, I could see it through. But that most likely won't happen. So the safest thing for you to do is have another C-section. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> also okay. having vaginal birth uh, affects your blood pressure. <laughs> um, so... It's, it's it seems like yeah. a loser situation really but and I've tried to find the maternal mortality rate for the both local hospitals that we have here and I have not been able to find them or yeah. find anyone who could tell me that because I, I was like I'm going to figure that out for you because my mom I don't know if my mom since she still works at one of the local hospitals around here let me see if she can because I'm sure like with with her being a, uh, an employee they have those somewhere so yeah because i tried looking online um to you know but i could not find it because i mean these numbers are absurd but with where we live we live where there's some of the top medical schools uh and things in the country (laughs) um and uh so it's a little bit more reassuring not a whole whole lot um you know it's no harvard but um i will say though i wish at least it's not tulsa Tulsa. let me tell you i wish we lived in a different country because they showed all the statistics with the countries too and Mm -hmm. new zealand had the least you know mortality rate like people live in new zealand but it was it just seemed like every other country australia norway canada for fuck's sake um everybody just because they're getting treated they're getting treated they're getting treated well and i'm assuming that the you know the doctors and everybody are listening and they have certain protocols on what they need to do to make sure that the mother the mother and the baby are safe during labor and uh but Tulsa- well, that's one of the things that we learned was that gynecologists are pretty much taught like the quickest way possible and you know like the aftercare almost if that like 
rather that whereas midwives are taught to work with the woman and with their body and the natural processes and, um, you know, to help be an advocate and just help that process along and let it happen naturally and on its own time. Whereas, uh, OBs tend to, um, okay, let's get Pitocin, this, that, and the other, let's get this moving, uh, and let's get this over with instead of just letting the body do what it's right. supposed and to do. you know, do. it's really crazy, too. I don't know if it was Neil. I, think, I didn't write this down, but I remembered when they were talking about when doctors are going through their training and stuff like that, they don't have any woman's studies with any of the doctors unless you go to, like, an actual specialty, like OB and all that, where you learn. But when it comes to just actually going to school to be a doctor, they don't have a, a section which is strictly about women's studies, about you know, gynecology and all that, just just in case if they ever stumble upon a patient who's having certain issues, you know, and to treat them right then and there. If, if I'm not mistaken, I, I was hearing... I ha- yeah, I have it somewhere. I'm yeah, looking for it. It was, it was mind-boggling to hear that because when, you, when you're going to school to become a doctor, they're supposed to be touching all different sections of the human body when it comes to, like, you know, learning about the brain, the kidneys, you know, anything. But when it came to women's studies, they just, they don't have nothing. And it's, it's, it's scary to think that. It's absolutely scary to think that. And it makes sense on why they immediately brush you off to a specialist without them treating anything at the doctor's office. Yeah. Um, let's see. What was it? Um. I mentioned something and they were like, (laughs) or somebody said, one of my friends who's uh, a first time mom is having back problems uh, already. She's 20 weeks now. And she was like, I mentioned it to my doctor. They didn't really, they were like, yeah, it's just part of pregnancy. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, yeah, that's because they, if it doesn't have to deal with your vagina or your womb, it does not pertain to them. Mm -hmm. Go see a chiropractor who deals with medicine. Um, maternity chiropractics, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> chiropractics. Um, you really, I'm so thankful to be in the era of technology to where you can Google this stuff. If you have a problem, again, if you have a problem, research it, look into it. There's so many groups, there's so much information out there, a lot of contradicting information, but there's information nonetheless you can make a decision for yourself and um sorry Mm -hmm. that was my hand rubbing on the desk (laughs) um uh, and you know explore different options there like you could take your newborn to a chiropractor if they're having constipation issues gas uh, colicky like i never knew like there's so much information and what's even is somewhat greater it's a double-edged sword is the fact that all these women in the community can talk to each other it can be problematic (laughs) don't get me wrong it can be very problematic but there's also a lot of great information out there like i'm part of a v-back group and that's where i learned um 
like to ask during the ultrasound, can you see the placement of my placenta to see if it's stuck to my scar tissue? Um, because That's if it great was, information. it would, yeah, I would have I would never, never do that had either. that. And, wow. you know, I've tried reaching out about, um, anyone with preeclampsia and 11 months postpartum or however or 12 months postpartum successfully have a VBAC and pretty much everyone's like with preeclampsia and being so close and eh, you probably could but it's not recommended <laughs> and I'm like okay well if these people are also telling me the same thing then you know, I'll push the idea out of my head. I'm still like, hey, I have like about a week to go into spontaneous sleep. Fingers crossed. Um, we'll eat some, eat like some she offered, spicy stuff and all that. Get yourself induced. <laughs> now, all I have to do is like do physical labor, like start walking and stuff, and I'll go start to get a pedicure and have them touch the supposed. They points. won't do it. I've tried. Uh, <laughs> no, like she offered to check my cervix today um, because they do not have to check your cervix. Another thing to know, you can refuse. It's uh, not necessary. Um, and I said no, because if she had told me that I was like any bits dilated, I would have been like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm getting it on my own. Like, cause I never dilated with the Wilder. Um, they tried and it just didn't work. Um, but yes. Yeah, so I, I don't want people to feel like talking about me and making it about me when this is about Amber and Shimani and all those other women and women of color. It's just, you know, trying to relate as best I can to this to show like, you know, speak up for yourself. These things, this is the care that you should expect, mm -hmm. you know, and to again, just speak up for yourself but, and it's okay this, to speak up for why, yourself because no one else is going to speak up for this you. This is why uh, we're going to, we're going to go to Tulsa now and Tulsa apparently is the worst <sighs> place to give birth anywhere in this country. Yeah. And I believe is it Felicia and what's, what's the husband's name? Oh my God. I wrote so Is it Felicia? I don't know, but Oklahoma has a maternal mortality rate. That's double the national average so when you rank by state they're in the bottom five he didn't even say that they're the bottom the worst number one he said bottom five which was very concerning did, did, did i, I say like, well, did, did you look up like what the other four cities were or uh, no <laughs> god forbid i don't even want to know but and I think a great comparison that they made was a black woman having a baby is like a black man at a traffic stop with yeah, a police. I was so like, God, that is such scary. a comparison. That's so scary. If that doesn't. So mm. But you know what, though? I, I love that Neil, Neil Shad, MD, he went to Tulsa and he's trying to get the hospitals there to implement just a regular board. You know, that just explains, you know, put in each room to like just communication is a big thing. Write down. OK, so these are your plans. 
We're going to do pain management. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to have a baby. We're at this room. This, this is my name. This is my phone. Because I guess some hospitals, they don't communication. have communication. Communication is fucking simple key. communication. Mm -hmm. Like it's what makes relationships work. But in such you would think like a hospital should be a well-oiled rig with communication and how many people's lives are lost for simple miss or lack of communication and we have the highest maternal mortality ratio of all industrialized nations we have every capability and means to be able to communicate technology wise and you know this that and the other and a simple whiteboard and it was a really just and it was simple issues. shit simple it's just this is this is my name i'm your nurse this is who this is your name this is the time we're gonna do stuff these are our goals for today these are our goals for tomorrow if you have any questions call me at this number this this is like just it just and i know we have those boards here uh, at both of the local hospitals that we have. And it's great just to see on the board, like, okay, so this is my goal for, for tomorrow, to be done by tomorrow. Get up out of bed, try to stretch, try to do this, mm -hmm. you know? The only time you might miss somebody writing on it is if you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, and it, But if you have a question about something on the board, ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. It is okay. Like, it is okay. I felt yeah. so much like a child almost with my first one like it's mm -hmm. such a child myself of okay well if there was something to know they would tell me mm -hmm. or you know no <laughs> nope, if you're not asking I, they're I not learned, gonna come to you i learned my no i learned my lesson um granted i didn't go back to that hospital <laughs> um i considered it with this one um especially that's why I wanted to look at the maternal mortality rate between the two. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that would be a huge deciding factor. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a great experience with Is, is Walter, it because there's so. better food there? Is that why? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's, well, yeah, at the one that we <laughs> delivered at, yes. Better than the one that I had Wilder at. Uh, it's no bueno. Order out every day. Um, but at... The one that you worked at yeah. has great food. But, but so when we go to Tulsa, though, we, we meet this couple. I believe her first name is Felicia. I didn't really catch the husband's name, but they were concerned. And that's when they looked up midwives. And we learned a lot about midwives from the history. Um, we learned that most. It was incredible. Yeah, most of the midwives were black women from back in the day. And they just they knew what to do. Um, so you wrote down more information. what I found was fascinating was um, midwives were brought over, uh, obviously slaves and slave trade. Um, midwives became like a commodity uh, to have. And they obviously helped um, white slave owners and women birth and also helped bring in more um just people onto this planet and had such a realm of knowledge that uh white people and physicians just did not have um but then enters uh J. Marion Sims, the father of gynecology. <laughs> oh, and he decides he's going to figure out fistulas, which I had to look up, which is a abnormal connection 
between the vagina and anus, which is different fistulas. That was my best guess because black women were having so many children, they were developing fistulas. And basically that impacted, I guess, their work, which they couldn't have that. So this guy decides he's going to figure it out um, and fix it so they can have more kids and produce more workers for their plantation. So it's rooted in just this horrible history. Um, And what would be the cause of um, insupportable pain to a white man a Negro would almost disregard is a direct quote, basically saying blacks don't feel pain. Oh my God. Even though they're screaming and rowling in pain. um, They would say, oh, they don't feel pain. Um, And black women would be used and continue to be used and cared for by learners. Every woman got their vagina cut open so they could sew them up. And black women were used to learn and experiment on, which I mean, and black men were used as well. But this is just the gynecology and oh, it, it it's insane um yeah so midwives came with the slaves attending to everyone including the white women and they were the most valued sla- enslaved even george washington mm. paid his midwife but, see, they paid, but, she, is, but he paid her like actually it hurt because he saw the value yep. of what she was doing mm-hmm. um and uh, nowadays you have white OBGYN, OBGYN pairing with white nurses pushing out. Um, and this is throughout history, but you see it still today, pushing out black midwives. And especially at like way back when um, they would call them dirty and having them arrested and turning That's in their so licenses crazy. for doing their job because people wanted to them to go to the hospitals to do all of this and now midwifery uh, works in concert with doctors and 87 percent of certified midwives are now white that's just appalling so, see learning all of this though i was like oh man i would feel so much more comfortable with a person of color i feel like they're so much more educated and i i think that's probably a horrible thing to say but I mean, I don't know. And I get why these black women, especially in these cities and towns, uh, are turning to midwives, especially midwives of color. Who else can you trust, especially to be an advocate for you who's educated and knows like, okay, we're at the point where you do need to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. or no, we could do this and we could do this together and we could do this here. You got this. And Felicia, I think you said her name was, I didn't get it down, had such a beautiful birthing experience. Like when she pushed out the baby, I was like, and I think it's because she, she asked questions and she really was just like, you know what, let's go try this. And so they went to that birthing center and man, it was so beautiful seeing those rooms. It's like, okay, so here's all the different suites. It was practically as if you're in a fucking 
beautiful, expensive type of just. You're, she was able to eat. She was able to have a bath. She was able to walk around. Those are things you can't do at the yeah. hospital. You can't eat after a and, certain point. And, uh, they won't let you walk around depending on. She was able to go outside and walk factors. around. She was able to go outside and walk around. They were able to assist her with what was happening with her labor. Like it assisted labor in the time that her body needed to take while also exercising caution for you know if things take too long if she wasn't per- you know in case of emergency like they were so well prepared and it was about three thousand uh, dollars i believe this was in oklahoma yeah it was in oklahoma and that's pretty much the bill that i got for wilder was a little over $3,000. But, just, but it's all about so. the experience, though. Don't you want to have a beautiful... Yeah. $3,000 is nothing compared to having your sanity and just being able to just remember and have that experience of, like... Like you said, too, when she popped out that baby, it was just... I was tearing up. Cause it was such an experience. I, it just seemed like such a euphoric experience. I, 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 I'm jealous. I really... <laughs> I've always told myself, I really want to try a natural birth. Not... not and I know people say I'm crazy, but it's just the experience of just... By natural, she means non-medicated. Yes, excuse me. So non-medicated, meaning no epidural, no nothing. Just just letting my body do what it's supposed to do and really... A just, lot of education. Yeah. You really have to educate, oh, yeah. like podcasts, breathing techniques. Yeah. you got to find something but that works just, for you. But it's just the experience of just, you know, pulling out that baby and just holding it and just telling myself, I fucking did it and just having a great memory because my memory of me me giving birth to my son like it was a great memory when i pushed him out and i held him but shit hit the fan so quickly that i missed out on say his first bath his first diaper change his just every first really because my son was sick and they had to take him i only got to hold him for maybe what was it like 15 minutes probably and then they took him away i don't know yeah i got to hold evie for about a minute I think they timed it for two minutes exactly and then whisked her away. Yeah, I didn't get any of that with her. Um, I don't remember Wilder's first. I know they took him away, but I didn't. I personally just didn't really care about that. But Um, you know what, though? It's just I was more so like, but at the same time, like, I don't want to, if you elect for a C-section or have a medicated, you know, whatever, birthing situation you have even like for me it's not really a choice yeah (laughs) which sucks but it doesn't take away from you know the magic of it and everything and uh as long as everything goes well anyway it won't but um you know things happen and it's okay to mourn what could have been but um I really liked where the midwives were like, when done well, anti-traumatic care. And that really resonated because I think both of our first births were traumatic in their own way. Like part of why I elected for a C-section with Wilder is because I had a PTSD response to what was happening. Um, And I won't get super into it, but like I had every intention of having a vaginal birth with my middle child. I didn't even look at any, I didn't know anything about C-sections. And 
they were inducing me or attempting to induce me and things just started to go just like they did with Evie. My, I had a physical body reaction to what they were doing. And I was like, had to put my pride and my ego aside and be like, okay, I could do this, but if it's like 12 plus hours in and it's already going so much like it did with Evie, then it's probably going to continue to go the way that it went with her. Let's just swallow your ego, swallow your pride and do what's safest for the baby and for your kids and for you and just do the C-section and get it over with. Now, if I had like a doctor or a midwife there to like hype me up and, you know, talk me through it or even a doula maybe to comfort me or ease any of that, maybe I could have done it. But I, to me, I chickened out, but I know I had a PTSD response and, um, I'm glad and thankful that it went well and that they treated me well for it. Whereas with Evie, I should have had a C-section. Like I've spoken to multiple doctors you? after the fact. Did they even offer no. you a C-section? Like, like, you know? Basic, no. Really? Basically, they said that they were backed up in oh, the C-section and you're progressing even just a little bit. So let's just keep progressing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And so that's why it took as long as it did, because I went to the full extent of everything before the next step. And I've spoken to several doctors and they're like, yeah, you probably I would have sent you to a C-section at that point. Because um, I mean, I'm leaving out some stuff, but it got to that point. Um but I just, I wish I knew this stuff about midwives and birthing centers months ago. I think there's like more of a birth center like this and maybe Charlotte or something. But um, the one hospital's considered a birthing center. And I've seen um, baths and stuff. And they're starting to try to become more birthing center-esque in hos some hospitals. Um, and what's really great is... I believe Bruce is bringing and um, the midwife he, him and Amber worked with, uh, along with some partners, are bringing a birthing centers to the Bronx. Isn't that there are awesome? three birth centers for 19 million people in New York, or it might have been Massachusetts. I got a little confused about the location, but um, I think it was New York. Three for 19 million. Like, that's oh. insane. But no, I. I love the fact that Bruce was so is is uh, is probably still to this day so committed to continue continue on his legacy for Amber Rose and just being able to make sure it doesn't happen again to somebody else. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I'm sure it's bound to happen again because it's just our country sucks, but it's just one less area to try to make sure it doesn't. Um, and another thing that happened, too, was the commitment march, which uh, Shimani's mom spoke in uh, in Washington, D.C. This happened, I believe, in March or May of 2020. 
where they just spoke out against, you know, how black women is being treated. You're breaking in and out. I don't me? know if it's recording. I can hear you, mm-hmm. but I'm just not sure if it's... I can see it's rec- uh, picking up on my audacity. Okay. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say just in case. Good. Um, but anyway, so, but Shimani's mom was just talking about um, how black women are being treated uh, within the hospitals of, you know, when giving, giving birth um, and the mortality rate and all that. And pretty much was just, and this was also in the, amongst the whole Black Lives Ladder movement that was happening. Oh, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it just couldn't come at a better time. Um, yeah. So Shimani's mom, Shawnee, speak. I thought it was awesome. She went to Capitol Hill yeah. at uh, Lincoln Memorial and spoke on black mothers and losing their lives. Yeah. And um, it was just... <sighs> touching absolutely touching what else can you do as a parent you know other than just like speak out you either speak out or shut you fight or you shut down like and these people chose to fight and uh, amari chose to give back and by doing portraits of these women who have passed and giving them to their their families um and just you know kind of giving back that way and we see Kari's first birthday and oh, it was just so heartbreaking and uh it finishes off with um politicians speaking and pushing bills to help our maternal mortality rate um and you have Charles Johnson speaking to Congress, showing the pictures and the names of Shimani and Amber and all the women that you listed um, at the beginning. And it's just very, very impactful because, you know, we have such technological and medical advancements in our country. And yet this is still an issue. And. It's an area that shouldn't be an issue because of the simple vows that doctors take, you know, to do no harm. And, you know, I'm sure nobody, very, very few, if hopefully nobody intends on killing anybody. But it's like, (sighs) I get like the repetition and things get lazy or things fall behind and, you know, Maybe you don't recognize what you're doing as differential treatment to people based off of their skin color or, you know, whatever their circumstance may be. Um, But you have to remember that these people are people. They're not patients. They're not a number. They're a person. Mm -hmm. Let the people know what's happening, you know, and as a patient fight to find out what's happening birth to a child, you know, and you're going to rip this child away from ever knowing their mom because of just being, if, if, if being lazy is one or just, you know, if it's a money thing with insurance, like, oh, well, we can do what we can do. Let's just ship them off. Well, this is just another cadaver to practice on. You know, we we need somebody to practice sewing on. So we're going to cut them open. Right. No, oh. it'll come. The patients will come. You just have to be patient mm-hmm. and wait. Like, the, it's one thing that 
reminds me of that doctor that I dealt with. It's like, well, this wasn't an actual medical emergency where I had to do something fun and doctory, so I don't actually care. And there's a term for this. It's like um, compassion. Uh, what's it called? Um, what's it called? Let me look it up real quick. Oh, I have it saved. It's like um, when you're low on compassion. Let's see. Where did Empath I post uh, it? A lack of empathy? No. Not a lack of empathy per se, but it's when you're like burnt out on compassion. Um, let's see. I have it somewhere. I just gotta find it. It's like compassion burnout. Oh, empathy, bur empathy burnout. There's empathy burnout. It's common when individuals Something spend like that. so much of their um, emotional strength. Compassion fatigue. Uh, compassion fatigue. Is that what it is? That's it. Okay. Yes. So compassion fatigue um, is a lot of doctors go through. Mm -hmm. um, and understandably so. I mean, I get it. But that doesn't change any, you know, so use your leave of absence, do this, that, and the other, Have a mental you know, health day. <laughs> yeah, because this is where things like this, I feel like happen is you're, you have this compassion fatigue. This is a prime example. If you can't handle your job, find a different fucking profession. Because I've seen it thousands of times when I worked at the hospital where it was just, they come in. How are you doing? And they're out the room. Uh, okay. Are you going to like touch like the areas that's hurting? Can you like whatever? It's just more of even making eye contact just, just with like, you. Or if like they think that you're on drugs, the second they feel like you're on drugs or whatever, they'll just get a blood test just to prove that you're on and then they won't do mm -hmm. shit for you. Um, yeah, basically, let me find out what insurance you have and then do all the tests that I'm allowed to do to milk your insurance. Yep. And then uh, we'll go from there. And if it doesn't fall in those, then eh, you know, and then we'll still might test you and then leave you with like a huge bill. But, you know, there are those people huge out there bill. that really do love what they're doing and they love people and they really want to have a change. And I mm -hmm. hope to God in the future that we, we start getting more of those people for our kids and their kids sake. Um, and, and I hope, you know, in the future that all this racial crap goes away and we're all just treated the same, you know, and one will hope that it's just, you know, you see a black woman. Oh, hi. You're black. I'm white. But that doesn't, you know, it doesn't give any difference in how people it shouldn't are affect the care. It shouldn't affect anything. But at you the know? same time. They have to open up and expand medical knowledge of black bodies. Um, like mm -hmm. it went viral uh, last year or within the last few years where there's this medical artist doing um, medical pictures of bodies and charts mm -hmm. but they're black so like a lot of people don't know what bruises look like 
on a black body or edema looks like on a black body um, because it's always represented on white flesh. And like those things are very important Mm -hmm. to know. And it's just subtle things like that that people just didn't even think of that will make such a huge difference and such a huge impact. When I was in respiratory therapy school and looking at my textbooks and all that, you make a great point. All the pictures in there were of white people of their skin tone because there's easier to see any bruises any type of you know say like your fingers if you have club fingers and you push down like just little little things like that um i think the only thing that we i personally saw when it dealt with um a black person um in any of my medical textbooks was dealing with like bulged eyes and stuff like that just seeing some something like that where it's like you can clearly distinct that okay eyes whatever but yeah, in the medical field, I, I think that it's, they should have both pictures, you know, or just anything, anything yeah. along the lines to help. They should have like shades, you know, it looks different on different people yeah. and, you know, and I think it's acknowledging that and then having people like Shawnee and Bruce and Amari and all these people speaking up. It's unfortunate that it's after the fact, but speak up and speak out. And doctors like Nell, who are like, yes, this is a problem. How can we fix it? And going out and trying to do little bits by bits and then having the politicians acknowledge it and having more women politicians and in positions of power, even as CEOs of hospitals and heads of things and just expanding the knowledge that is out there. And like you said, there are so many people who um, do such a wonderful job Mm -hmm. and especially in these underserved communities who probably bust their balls and, you know, they're just one person. There's only so much that they can do and they probably carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. And it's like more and more. It seems like money just wins it's all, all it's the all, time all over compassion and like, let's get the funding to these people so that people get the care it's, it's so because important. it just it, it boggles my mind that as a country, yes, let's get rid of abortion rights. But we're going to complain about you being on Medicaid and welfare. But at the same time, we're not going to help you. You're going to have this baby, but we're not going to help you with anything after that. Like, I know so many women, including myself, who are out of the workforce because childcare costs are so high. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. This is why I and wish we were in a different country like Norway. Norway, all the Sweden, Finland, all that mm-hmm. they have, where they do have childcare. And it's practically mm-hmm. free paternal and paternity and maternity leave um, almost like a whole year i mean they have their own issues within their health care oh, system yes it's free but you know they're there's it's their own issues but like at the same time crazy. it's it's there and they're trying but to help and do help and look at the statistics on the statistics just don't lie the statistics don't you know lie. you want to talk numbers and it's, and it's and it's not just one country if you look at all the countries that just you know if if they offer free health care and whatnot or whatever i believe we're one of three countries of our magnitude who do not offer 
a maternity leave. <laughs> yeah, was it was it like like oh you can have up to like six weeks of no pay type of thing, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'm working. I think I should be able to at least get some of my pay, you know. But I love whenever they do allow fathers to have a um, a leave when their child's born, so they can interact and you know imprint on their child and really get the Jeremy gets one week. Oh wow, of paid. Just one week. Mm-hmm. He's he's taking more, but it won't be paid. So he's been working really hard to save money um, to spend this time. But again, just America, <laughs> fuck yeah. 80 per, 80% of maternal death is women of color in the city. Dude, here, here in our city? No, it, oh. I think this is just New York, but um, but in cities like a huge portion of I know that was a real smooth transition from paternity, but um, the issues are there is my point. But the issues increase even more if you're a person of color, specifically a black person. They also mentioned natives um, at one point, which is another huge underserved community. Um, And if you watch Yellowstone, they kind of touch base on that slightly, uh, which I feel like a lot of people might have slept on. But um, that's a whole other issue for a whole other day. And just, uh, you know, if you're in the medical field or going into it, Take a step back and, you know, look at what you're doing or not doing or what you could be doing better. Or if you see something, say something, do something. And then if you're a mother or a parent and something doesn't feel right or sound right or you just don't know, ask, speak up for yourself. If you can't, find somebody who can for you. You know, if you don't have that support system, then find the gumption in yourself to be your own support system and speak up for yourself. Like I spoke up for you, even if I was wrong, I did not want you to go through what I went through, but I didn't know any better, you know? And so I don't want that for anybody else. And, eh, you know, and even, I still have a hard time doing that for myself. I'm like, okay, well, I'm trusting you and, and we trust these doctors yeah. and we go in and we, we go in and we trust them to know and do and hope that they have the best, you know, for us. They want the best for us. And you hope you're not just another number mm-hmm. and not another statistic. Yep. Um, you know, <laughs> this will be very morbid if I don't make it out on Wednesday. Don't um, put that fucking yeah. juju out but there. Lord. I'm the type of person who is like, expect the worst. So when the worst doesn't happen, it's like, hooray. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I feel like with things like this, you kind of have to prepare for the worst because you just don't know. Like I with wilder i wrote death notes to my jeremy and to evie and to wilder really i, never I was like that. yeah because and i didn't even know i was gonna have a c-section i just with how it went with evie i knew that 
I came so close to the, like the brink of death that I was like, I've a hundred percent had the realization that, okay, I could die during childbirth. Like this could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, that realization with this one as well, because knowing I'm going in for C-section and it's major the chances surgery, increase. It's major surgery, really. Think about I'm it. having health issues. Like things could go wrong. Things could happen. I like to be prepared. <laughs> so like I went to dinner with Jeremy uh, last night and I told him like, a couple of my wishes and things like that. He did not want to talk about it, but I'm like, I have to say it. (laughs) Like, I want it to be known. Like, for example, (laughs) I told him, if I die and you do anything with my kids that I don't like and you get a headache, just know that that's me (laughs) as a ghost sticking my hand in your head. Scrambling it around. I'm scrambling it around, giving you the worst headache. And that's you knowing that it's me giving you a headache, being like, what are you doing? I don't like what you're doing with my kids. But you should also know before you do something stupid, like with power toys or something that you know I don't agree with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like <laughs> that if Emily wouldn't like it, then oh, don't well, do Zach it. Well, and him are going if- money- mudding this weekend. Mudding. Oh, this is the first time hearing of oh, this because Jeremy is supposed to be working on the house this weekend. Oh, oh, you didn't know this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no apparently, so good to know. Apparently, they're going mudding this weekend. So, Well, he can go probably Sunday. It's Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, because Saturday so, he's so, supposed to be working Saturday, on the house. It's Sunday. No, you didn't say. You just said this weekend. Oh, so Sunday. If I had to guess, it would be Sunday. Yeah, so uh, Because Sunday. Saturday he's working on the house, and a lot of people are coming to help work on the house. And then um, I'm busy with Evie, and so Sunday would really be the only day that he gets to chill. He's probably doing his last before little this hurrah new baby. before the baby comes, so... Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and he just put on like a lift kit and stuff. So, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I was like, don't get rid of my phone, this, that, and the other. And, oh yeah, we we keep know, my brother's I phone. Talk to we still have his phone. So oh, we yeah, can look back like, into it. I have like I made one little video, like a short, quick video for my kids, uh, just in case you know. But after this documentary, I definitely looked at, like, the things I was doing differently. Like, okay, what if I wasn't here? Because I loved all the videos and things that they had for from Shimani that I showed. And I was like, okay. So I started taking a couple more videos of me and Wilder or more pictures of me and Evie and stuff because I'm never in the shot. (laughs) I'm always behind the camera and I wanted something that has both of us in it that they could look back on. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to (laughs) cry. No, don't cry. Um, There's no reason to cry. You're going to get out of this on Wednesday and you're going to deal with three beautiful babies now. Oh, yeah. I just don't. I can't. I can't even. It's all good. I just, I can't. Everything is going to be all good in the hood. 
and uh, you're gonna have a beautiful baby boy that's gonna be coming out on Wednesday. I'm excited to hear his name. I've been I've been like so excited to you know figure out you know how big this baby's gonna be, what he's gonna look like, if he's gonna look like Wilder. If he's well, gonna... they measured him today. He's they're guesstimating six pounds ten ounces. Oh, this is the biggest baby so far. Um, we've had. 3ds he pretty much looks just like wilder uh but who knows um but yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know it's good to prepare for the worst and i can't imagine being a person of color in like these thoughts being on the forefront of their brain when they should be not you shouldn't have to think about this in 2023 in america before you give birth this this is unless you have like some major health concerns or issues you dying in childbirth should not be something that you are concerned of just because you're a person of color like that is just astounding and disappointing and I can only I, I can only imagine because I, I can't put myself you know in that place to where the how they must feel and it's just I'm so disappointed in us as humans that that is still like a reason why someone would die giving birth you know or, or at all but especially giving birth like because certain steps weren't taken you weren't taken seriously you weren't heard as a human being and taking the proper precautions um you know just doing your due diligence as a doctor and checking up on your patient because they're black like make that make sense you it can't doesn't sense. it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any sense, sense. It doesn't make sense. It, you have no excuse and you, know what, and you shouldn't be a doctor you just cut all of us open we might not look the same on the outside but in the inside we're all muscles bones blood we're all the same inside so it's i know that's like a cliche thing to say but i mean it's it's true. It's true. Like, like, if you want to look at us as a number, look at it. Okay, we have different size organs and stuff, but it just... But I, if you open up a body I, and you say, which one of us is white and which one of us is black, no one's going to know. Yeah, <laughs> like, it just... If you go into the medical profession and you are incapable of having compassion and empathy from person to person no matter their age race body size sexual orientation whatever and just see them as a human being to human being then you have no business being in the medical field whatsoever um and if your agenda is to pursue hate then you're going to get yours. Like, I can only pray that karma comes down on you. And, you know, I think through 
I, well, I don't know, but I can only hope that through COVID and everything, it kind of opened up that empathy and compassion door a little bit more and saw people as people. I'm sure there was a lot of, I'm sure there was some discrepancy and care through that as well that we'll find out about, unfortunately, but you know, so many people are affected and the medical field did such an amazing job. And I think a lot of people who got burnt out or realized that the medical field wasn't for them left then. But also that's where it hurts us by leaving us with shorter medical numbers. Um, I know we're hurting for medical staff right now. And a lot of people are coming to this country and getting medical training and going back to their country, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, good for them. But, you know, we need help, too. And I don't know how to fix this issue. I I really don't. And it's it's uh, I feel like it's it's not going to happen overnight and it probably won't happen. Mm hmm for years because you have to think though like the whole um what's the word it, it everything happened in the 60s when it the whole diversity thing happened like uh with martin luther king jr and all that like if you think of it, it that's still relatively new in a way it happened what mm-hmm. 50 60 years ago and it, mm-hmm. it might seem like man that's a long time but it really isn't and no not at all and I feel like it's going to take years for... It's going to take years. It's going to take years. Unless, you know, let me tell you, though, if we keep getting crazy people in, you know, in our political standpoints and all that, I feel like we're going to go back in time with, like... Yeah, I feel like they keep uh, trying to make us go back. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to and say? And like, we're getting closer and closer to the Handmaid's Tale oh than anything. God, right? And it's like, what I, is I think our, our biggest loss was the, the overturn of Roe versus Wade. That was the biggest loss for us. Biggest loss. Uh, for the abortion. Yeah, thing. for women in recent history. Uh, for people of color, it would be uh, the transition from Obama to Trump. <laughs> oh my God. And then the fact that he's going to be running again. That sparked such racial just hellfire back into everything like so much of today I'm just like what is happening I feel like we were making such good progress segregation that's the word I was saying segregation for uh in the 60s yeah and I'm just like like I so a genuine question I have is I didn't know that there was a black national anthem until the Super Bowl. Um, my question is, why do we need one? I, I don't even, is it okay for me to ask? I genuinely want to know. I feel like if we're having different national anthems for different people, or races of people, isn't that getting us further away from the issue? Mm-hmm. Like, where people are choosing to segregate themselves now, and to an extent, I guess I get it. Like, 
If you don't feel like you belong or accepted elsewhere, then you want your own community. I don't know, but I mean, it's been I feel like, that like for a long things time, are just going so. It's been like that for a long time. Though. The wrong direction, like two steps forward, one step back, or one leap back. I just I don't get well, see, it. Okay, I I grew up in South Florida, and we it was just a melting pot there. Like we were around Cubans, we were around people from Haiti, we were around. Of course, Europeans, you know, we, it was a lot of international people that came through. We were around Mexicans. We were around uh, Midwesterns like me because my family's from Chicago. But it was so great to to be indulged with so much culture um, amongst everybody I was around from school and stuff like that. And I'm telling you, when I moved up here, it was a huge culture shock. Huge. Yeah. I mean, see, for me, I've lived here pretty much my whole life and my first best friend ever was black mm-hmm. like and looking back throughout my life and like every school grade mm-hmm. pretty much almost every year my best friend was a person of color so like it's but you didn't look at her as a black person you looked at her as like your best friend you know well, i mean i don't want to say i don't see color but like throughout childhood yeah i didn't you know it was just my best friend it was just your best friend <laughs> and exactly. um, you know and so it wasn't you have to like choose to see the issues that they go through um and also, like, educate your friends. Yep. <laughs> if you have uh, white friends, educate them, you know? Some of us just don't know. Like, that's why I'm questioning the Black National Anthem. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand it. I would like to understand and know from people's personal perspectives of why it is necessary. I mean, I feel like we should just rewrite the National Anthem, kind of like... The, well, well uh, a lot of people didn't even agree that our national anthem should be our anthem. It should be America the Beautiful, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, just have a new one all together. Yeah. That's more because accurate. Because if you think of America the like, Beautiful, um, it's talking about our land and how beautiful it is. The oceans, the mountains, and all that. Yeah, I'd much and prefer if you, that. And if you listen to the <laughs> lyrics of our national anthem, it's just talking about war and our flag standing out from <sighs> war which it's kind of like the constitution it just needs to be rewritten and updated maybe every 50 years um well to... if you go to washington dc and you see our uh declaration of independence it's practically not even on the fucking paper anymore i saw it for the first time in july and it's practically so faded away it's it's nothing <laughs> Well, yeah, Nothing. but I mean, it's printed now, Yeah, you know, but it's, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's outdated. It was basically the same thing. It was written for times of war and stuff. And now our government, we're fighting the war on terrorism, something so vague as terrorism so that we can increase our military funding because we don't know what happened to these trillions of dollars (laughs) focusing on the real issues in our country and it's women's Mm -hmm. rights it's um racial human human rights rights, (laughs) you know all sorts of different things so um that's the real things that we should be focusing on and it's unfortunate that we need to fix the little issues Mm -hmm. before we fix the big issues like the big issues are still there. We yes, we need some sort of military presence, you know, this that and the other, but 
What are you protecting if we don't have a way of life anymore? If if civil war is going to ensue and you have like a race war and this, that and the other, like what? Why is this allowed? Why is this accepted? Like, I'll put it this way. They're not teaching my kid Spanish because they removed Spanish and inserted harmony. What the fuck is harmony? What is harmony? Basically, (laughs) you're teaching people how to be decent human beings because you can't trust the parents to do that job anymore, which is sad because my kid wants to learn Spanish and which is a very useful skill to have. If you look on job searches, you get paid more for speaking a second language, especially Spanish to learn when you're younger with her age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You retain your memory, retain it, it's more malleable. And instead, they're using a like I saw a worksheet and it was like about aliens. So if an alien comes, basically a metaphor for a different person, how you treat them. And I was like, look, I teach my kid about aliens and how to treat people. You teach her Spanish, which I cannot do. So <laughs> it's just <laughs> I didn't even know they what? were doing that's unfortunate. Yeah, so I, it's there's so much and we have a long video and I don't know how it's gonna get fixed, but you know, at the least you could do is look at yourself and your situation and what you're doing and what you can do to help and what you could change. Um, you know, see something, say something, speak up, help out, educate others and do it not in a assholey way where it's like, I know this and, you know, I'm going to teach you. No, you have compassion with what you're doing, especially if you're a person of color and you're educating, um, a white person, not that we deserve it, you know, but we also are trying, (laughs) some of us here are trying really hard to learn and to do better. Um, so, you know, help out. You're you're not obligated to, you know, we figure it out ourselves. But you know, if I treat others the way that you want to be treated, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless on how you feel, because before you know it, someone's going to be standing there with a fucking phone recording your ass, treating someone very poorly, especially if it's someone of a different nationality or race and all that. Just just for your warning, just FYI. Act, <laughs> I mean, that should just always assume that you're being recorded because always, always, you know, you probably are, especially in this day and age. But mm-hmm. You know, try and educate yourself as well. Um, I more so meant because I've read and heard that uh, black people get really annoyed that it's their duty to educate white people, which I more so mean like if it happens in a moment and someone says or does something that they don't realize was racist or disrespectful, just let them know. And that's okay. I apologize. White people or other people. Do your research, find out, you know, do your part. (laughs) Um, And I guess that's all we can do. And 
Raise good humans. Raise good. That's all. That's <laughs> all it is. Staff. See, that's all it is. Is how a child is raised, and making sure you teach them to love one another. Don't treat someone with at like just just like shit. It's all about how the person raises their kid. If they're gonna raise their kid to put hate towards white people and all that, then they're gonna put hate towards white people or vice versa on our end or just and in any way i want my kid to stay innocent forever okay he loves all of his friends he regardless of what color they are and everything so um mm-hmm. but this evie yeah. said the other day oh my god yeah. she came in and she was like i feel like i'm supposed to be a brown person <laughs> I was like, what? And she's like, I feel like my skin is supposed to be brown. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. And she's like, why couldn't I have been brown? And I'm like, "Um, I'm sorry. This is just the way that you are. (laughs) It's the way the cards that you were dealt. Yeah. And my dad is like, well, you're Italian, you're Olive. I'm like, dad, don't confuse her. Like, he's trying. Because my dad, no, my, my, the, my dad grew up in like the 70s and 80s in Brooklyn. He wasn't considered white until the 80s. Really? Um, Yeah. Like being Italian, um, him and his family weren't considered white. So he thinks he understands some he has like a small semblance of understanding of racism um but nothing to obviously the capacity of people with melanin obviously i mean just because you're a little tan does not make you a person of well in his case i I think it it depends well then Yes, and he's also had uh, skin cancer, so. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so. This goes out, in short, this goes out to Shimani and Amber and all the women who needlessly lost their lives um, in childbirth, which should have been one of the happiest moments of their life. Um, into their families, into their children who are so loved. Um, you know, just, I, I mean, what, what can you say? What, what can you say? I would say it's definitely worth watching um, and educating yourself on. It's a greatly impactful documentary, um, very informative. And I'm, it was hard to watch, and I'm glad I watched it. Uh, so here's to you, black women. Thank you for your contribution to history and to medical history and to women's history. Um, I don't, we wouldn't be where we are uh, without you. So hopefully, Hopefully we didn't talk about ourselves too much, but again, it was more so uh, a desperate attempt of understanding, I think, Mm -hmm. and also to kind of show like the 
differences of what should have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, again, I don't know. I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth. I'm just, it's like, what can you say? What, what can, can you, you say? Do, but you know? just, just, you know, just be in support of any movement yeah, that so. they have. And uh, even if this podcast reaches our 10 listeners make a difference um, guys who hear it and go watch it and sign a petition contribute donate do whatever you can do um to help because what they're doing is amazing like with amari and his support groups and his art and bruce with uh opening the birth center is just I'm curious incredible if amari has um his own little thing where you can pay to get one of his pictures drawn of somebody and oh i'm sure I'm if sure. that's a way to that's a great way to contribute to anything if we uh if we can try and find it and yeah. tag it um and put it maybe in show notes a link yes that or also um, we can also put it on our instagram too for anyone who wants to mm-hmm. click on it from there. But we will do our best to kind of look up and see if there's any type of fundraisers uh, for the black community when it comes to women um, going into labor or anything like that. We'll definitely put it in our anchor post. Uh, so it's an easily clickable thing. Um, also, we could possibly put it on our Instagram. But other than that, this was definitely a very touching documentary. I'm very happy that I watched it, even though it's it's it was sad and it should this documentary shouldn't have happened for that reason. They should be alive with their children, having more babies. But I'm happy that you know this is brought out, and people are now becoming more aware that there has been abuse with our medical field and how they treat women and of color, just mistreatment. Yep, mistreatment mm-hmm. of women and of color. Neglect. Yep and yeah do better do better do people better. you know get actually give a shit about our our women mm. out there who are and uh yeah. <laughs> if i make it past this wednesday oh, <laughs> then our next episode <laughs> what is our next episode gonna uh, be what's on the docket for next week i don't know it'll be a surprise to you and to me surprise, surprise. and you guys will find out and enjoy it because we enjoyed watching yes. it um enjoy the rest of your well i guess february <laughs> Yeah, and happy baby day. This I can't believe it's I can't believe it's almost March already. This year's fine. When you have kids, it you blink and bam, it's another month. Just uh, so much has happened already. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> we'll see you. We'll hear you next time. Thanks for listening. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>